Uh, good morning, church. Happy New Year to you. It's exciting to be back here in a new year with a, a new sermon series in the book of Psalms. So if you have your Bibles, I hope you do, grab those. If you don't, there should be a black hardback ESV somewhere near you. If you'll just take that and you'll just cut it right down the middle, you'll be really close to Psalm chapter 1, which is where we're going to be. So as you're turning there, I'd like to uh, also direct your attention to the screen. We have a new family that comes to join us uh, starting off the new year, the DS family, Brian, Lena, and Kendall. We, uh, we actually, there they are. What a good picture. We uh, had a time of sitting around and discussing their testimony and, and going through the beliefs of our church, and uh, they seek membership here. And so having heard their testimonies, I make a motion. We receive them. Do I hear a second? Second. second. And all those in favor, will you say, I love you? And that is the call of the church. We are to love one another as Christ has loved us. So we welcome you into this family. And uh, if you'll join us down front here at the end, I know a lot of people would like to give you a COVID-free hug at the end of this um, service. Oh, I heard a little bit of, oh, that's too soon, Jeff, too soon. It's been two years. Okay, so Psalms chapter 1. It's a time of new beginnings. And uh, as I was studying this week, I came across the fact that we want to wish one another a happy new year or a blessed new year. And uh, there's a lot of things right now that are going to come across maybe your phone or your tablet or your computer or whatever, you know, your fax machine, whatever it comes across. And they're going to be telling you all the things that you need to do to be happy in the new year. Well, I came across this one and it was like, here's 10 rules for happiness, 10 rules for happiness and it's this, give something away, no strings attached, do, do kindness, and forget about it. Spend a few minutes with the aged, their experience is priceless. Look intently into the face of a baby and marvel, laugh often. Give thanks a thousand times a day because it's not enough. Pray or you'll lose your way. Work with energy and effort. Plan as though you'll live forever because you will. Live as though you'll die tomorrow because you will on some tomorrow. As I walked through these, I thought these are good ideas for happy and blessed living as we think about a new year. But I would argue that true happiness is found in a life of worship and wisdom. A life of worship, true worship, and true wisdom. And that is what we're going to look at as we get into the Psalms. The Psalms are a wisdom literature. They are a collection of lyrical poems that are written over um, several different years, several different time frames, and several different people, different authors. Moses wrote Psalm 90. David was responsible for about 73 Psalms. Asaph wrote 12. Descendants of Korah penned about 10. Um, you have others who, who wrote Psalms and some who aren't even listed as authors. And the original title of this book was called Praise Songs. Praise Songs. It served as the Hebrews' worship album. It was their words on the screen, if, if you will. So um, don't get scared. We're not going to do all 150 psalms this year. So uh, I know you're like, oh, Jeff, we know how you like to go through the Bible. So don't get carried away. Now we're just going to select a few and kind of hop through as we start this year. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to jump into Psalm chapter 1, because we might as well start with number 1. Gracious Lord, we do come to you. We thank you so much that you are good, and you are gracious, and you are kind, and you are loving, and all glory be to Christ. As we have sung 
songs of worship to you this morning. Father, I pray that our hearts are drawn to you in worship, that your words on these, on these pages will come off of the pages and embed in our hearts so that we would live a life of wisdom, that we would be blessed because we know you, that we're rooted in you, we love you and belong for you. So God, I pray over this church. I pray, God, that you would do great things in the hearts and the lives of those who are yours. And Lord, I pray for the community, those who don't yet know you, that you, by the power of your spirit, would draw people to yourself this year, that we would find our loved ones coming to a saving knowledge of you, our neighbors, our coworkers. So Christ, we love you. All glory be to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Psalms chapter 1. Let me read it in its entirety there. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is God's word. Real quick here, we see that number one, a life of wisdom and worship lives with a blessed awareness. There's an awareness of your surroundings. There's an awareness that even here early on, that there's two paths that you can choose. And as we talk about making decisions for the new year, we talk about, listen, I need to make some decisions because I want to be blessed. I want to be happy. Well, right here in Psalms 1, you get the keys to a blessed life. The keys are choosing the right path. As Wearsby puts it, Psalm 1 is a wisdom psalm and focuses on God's word, God's blessing on those who obey it and meditate on it and God's ultimate judgment on those who rebel. It is a tale of two paths. We see this throughout Scripture. Deuteronomy 30, 15 through 20 says it this way. See, I've set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore choose life, that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him. For he is your life and length of days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. We are told throughout scripture that there's two paths that we need to make a decision on which road that we're going to take. Even Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 on the Sermon on the Mount, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, 
And the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. We have here in Psalm chapter 1 a tale of two paths. A tale of two decisions. Choose life, choose blessing, or choose wickedness. Choose cursing. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Blessed. In the Hebrew here, it it means happiness. It actually is a plural form, which means it's an exclamation. So you could translate it, oh, how very blessed. Or, oh, how very happy is the man. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I wish you a happy new year. I pray that you would be blessed in this year. And the reason I pray that you would be blessed is because you would be someone who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. You would be someone who does not stand in the way of sinners, and you would not be someone who sits in the seat of scoffers, but you would be someone who delights in the law of the Lord and that you meditate on it day and night. That is the way to happiness. So let's walk through these. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. The word wicked here is pretty much a general term. This refers to those people who live in enmity or hostility towards God by befriending the world and its acceptance of immorality. As we look around, we see a world that is continually leaning towards wickedness. And when I say wickedness, it's because it's a world that's befriending the patterns and lifestyles that celebrate and accept immorality. And so when he says, don't even walk in the counsel of the wicked, don't listen to them, don't allow them to speak into your life to give you advice, don't let their way of life be what you want to pattern your life after, don't walk in the way of the wicked. James 4.4 says it this way, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. James here uses some very strong language going back to how they would have talked to the Hebrews in the Old Testament saying, look, your, your lifestyle of idolatry, your love of the things that are wicked is spiritual adultery. Spiritual adultery is worshiping false gods while pretending to worship the true God. As we talk about wisdom and worship, God's word applied to our life is wisdom. Our adoration and praise of God is the way we live our lives. Warren Wiersbe, again, he defines spiritual adultery as this, being married to Christ, yet loving the world. Wow. Arthur Pink says it this way, a giving unto the world that love and devotion, time and strength, which the Lord alone is entitled unto. As natural marriage is a solemn and sacred agreement, engagement, which is not to be entered into lightly, constituting as it does a lifelong compact. Much more should there be the most serious and self-searching deliberation before anyone openly professes to be united to the Lord. James, you adulterous people, do you not realize that befriending the world is enmity with God? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. So to walk in the counsel of the wicked is loving and following a secular, humanistic way of life. 
I referred to the humanistic way of life as being those who see man as ultimate, pleasure as ultimate, satisfaction as ultimate. My greatest desire, if I'm humanistic, is for me to be happy. And so we live in a world where there's a humanistic ideology that says, as long as it feels good, do it. You should do this. And so that's the counsel that the world, the wickedness of the world would give you. And it leads you away from the path that God has chosen for you. To walk in the counsel of the wicked is to listen to the advice of and follow the principles of the world, the ungodly, the unbelieving people who live as if there is no God. To walk in the counsel of the wicked is to know God's word, to claim, to believe God's word, but disregard God's word and listen to other worldly counsel by denying God's moral absolutes for a humanistic pleasure-seeking ideology. Really, it comes down to this. If you want to live a blessed new year, if you really want to be happy, true happiness, then we have to stop looking for advice from the world to make us happy. We have to stop listening to the counsel of the wicked. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners. As you'll see here, there's a progression that takes place. So you're walking in the council, and now you're lingering. You're standing with sinners. Sinners refers to those who act openly in disobedience to God. They stand. To stand in the path of sinners is to imitate their behavior and to do as they do. Standing indicates a lingering or a lifestyle and a pattern of sinning. So don't listen to the counsel of the wicked. And certainly don't stop and stay and smell the roses when you're standing in the way of sinners. Paul writes about how we are to be a changed person in Christ, how we are to separate ourselves. Now, let me be careful on how I say this. We can't isolate ourselves from this world. And that's why he says this in 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 11. I wrote to you in the letter not to associate with the sexual immoral people, not at all meaning the sexual immoral of the world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters since then you would need to go out of this world. But now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual morality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, a drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. So what Paul is saying here is that there has got to be a distinct change in the life of a believer, that they no longer stand in the way of sinners. They no longer stand and linger in sin like they used to because there has been a decisive change in their life. They no longer are comfortable living in sin. They're no longer standing around in it. Standing the way of sinners is to wait on the path you know sin travels. Now, for many believers, this is kind of what happens. We don't necessarily want to engage in sin, but we certainly want to toe the line of it. And we certainly want to maybe put ourselves in a pathway that we know sin travels because, oh, look what happened in my life. I wasn't looking for it. I was just kind of lingering. I was just kind of standing here. And as we look at the new year and we look at different things we need to adjust in our lives, there's wisdom in removing the things in your life that you know sin travels through. There might be things in your life, pathways in your life that you know if you stand there long enough that sin is going to come knocking on your door again and again and again. We as believers are to have a changed life this is why Paul would say in Ephesians 4, 20 through 24, 
But that is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. We are no longer to stand, to linger. We are to flee sin. We're not to allow ourselves to stand in the path that we know sin travels. Every Christian in the world wrestles with sin every single day of his or her life. However, wrestling with sin and willfully sinning are not the same thing. Can I read that again? Every single believer, every single one of us who is here, every single one of us wrestles with sin. There's sin that comes crouching at our door and we have to master it every single day. However, wrestling with it and willfully sinning are not the same thing. There are times when we will fall. There's times when we will sin and we need to confess and we need to repent and we need to turn from the wicked ways. But there's a difference when we stand there, when we linger in it, when we approve of it, Paul would say in Romans 7, 15, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. As John would say in 1 John 1, 7 through 9, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Every single one of us comes in here and we start a new year and we like to start new with a new page, right? Clean slate. And maybe today we start by confessing sin that we know has lingered in our life way too long. As Hebrews would say in chapter 10, 26 through 31, for if we go on sinning deliberately, after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. We cannot go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth of Jesus Christ. We're not to stand with sinners We're not to linger in sin because if we do and there's no repentance in our life, there's there's no change in our life. We're blaspheming. We're trampling underfoot the Spirit of God. As Matthew 12, 31, Therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven, people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. This is to completely reject the knowledge of the truth after it's been given to you. James 2:19. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. There are many who have an understanding, an intellectual understanding of Jesus Christ, and yet their lives have not been radically changed by the presence of his spirit. And though they claim to be a believer, they stand in the way of sinners. 
They linger in sin. If someone willfully commits the same sin over and over without remorse or repentance, without any evidence of conviction or genuine desire to change, thus rejecting the Holy Spirit, we would have every reason to doubt the sincerity of their faith. So I say this, if you're here today and you're living in sin and you're unrepentant and there's no conviction in your life, you might have prayed a prayer. You might have walked an aisle. You might have filled out a card. You might have raised your hand. You might have repeated after me a prayer. My question for you is, has the Holy Spirit entered your life in such a way that you are radically changed? You're a new creation. You've put off the old self. You no longer are satisfied standing in the way of sinners and lingering in sin any longer, but there is a conviction in your life that's leading you towards repentance. That's when you know that the Spirit is in you. So as we think about this, we don't want to walk in the counsel of the wicked. We don't want to stand in the way of sinners, and we certainly don't want to sit in the seat of scoffers. Scoffers not only listen to the wicked, and not only do they stand with sinners, they have rejected God and his word and now seek to justify themselves by openly ridiculing that which they've rejected. There comes a point where you walk in the counsel of the wicked and then you linger in that sin. And once you become so comfortable in that sin without any remorse, without any repentance, you, you decide to take a seat. You know what, I think I'll just sit right here. Ah. And then when other people don't sit with you, well guess what, I'm gonna ridicule you. I'm gonna scoff at you. I'm gonna make fun of you because you don't do the same things I do. You actually believe that? This is the world that we live in. We live in a world that will give you wicked counsel. We live in a world that embraces people who want to stand around and linger in sin, and then when you don't approve of the things that they're doing, they scoff at you. It is the act of sitting in and accepting sin and mocking God and anyone who agrees with God's word. So Stephen Cole says there's a progression. There's a progression of sin in the wrong path. You walk, you stand, you sit. First you walk, you're still moving, but now you're moving in the wrong direction. Then you stand, you're lingering in sin. Finally you sit, you're at ease in the company of scoffers. You listen, you stand, you sit. First you listen to counsel, you begin thinking wrong thoughts, then you stand in the path, you engage in wrong behavior. Finally you sit in a seat, you belong to the wrong crowd and have adopted the fatal attitude of a scoffer, and Satan's got you. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. This is the change. This is the wisdom that leads to a life of worship, delighting in the law of the Lord. Let me ask you, is being in God's word a delight or a duty? If we're religious about it, it becomes a duty. If we're in a relationship with Christ, it's a delight. We delight in his word. Warren Wearsby again, he says, the way we treat the Bible is the way we treat Jesus Christ, for the Bible is his word to us.
how do you treat the word of God? This reminds me of the picture of a young couple. A young couple who's newly in love, right? Now in the old days, you would write love letters to one another and if you were in the 80s or 90s, you would fold those in a really cool like little note. You know, you know what I'm talking about? And then you would pass them in class. Now, you just sit and wait and watch the little bubble with three dots. Oh, they're texting me back. I cannot wait to see what they say to me. You're delighting me in the words. I was reading and I, I saw that Winston Churchill and his wife corresponded with notes their entire life and marriage. In fact, there's a book where they've collected these notes, these transcripts, where they've written back and forth to one another and their daughter collected 1,700 love letters. 1,700. They delighted in each other's words. You have been given the divinely inspired word of God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And these are his words, and they are faithful, and they are true, and they are delivered to you. Let me ask you, is it a duty to be in them, or do you delight in them? Oh, it's a delight that the God of the universe who created all things, who breathed life into me, would want to talk to me through his word. He would want to speak to me, and he would want to indwell me with the power of his spirit. So don't walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of scoffers, but delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night. The second thing I want you to see is a life of wisdom and worship lives with a fruitful foundation. It's a fruitful foundation. Verse 3 is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Oh, he is like a tree. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. Those who delight in the law of the Lord, they're like a tree that is planted by streams of water and it yields its fruit in season. We are to be rooted in Christ to have a blessed life. Paul would say in Ephesians 3, 14 through 19, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God, rooted, grounded in love, delighting in the law of the Lord. You're like a tree planted by streams of water, and you will bear fruit in season because you are deeper than just knowledge. You are in a relationship with Jesus Christ, and it is life-giving. Colossians 2, 6-7, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. A life of wisdom and worship is rooted in Christ. And if you are rooted in Christ you will bear much fruit. 
If you have no root in Christ, you will not bear fruit in Christ. Jesus would say this, John 15, 4 and 5, Abide me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Oh, delight in the law of the Lord. Meditate on it day and night. You'll be like a tree planted by streams of water, rooted, grounded in love, bearing much fruit in season. The interesting thing about fruit, and I don't know anything about trees. I'm just going to be honest with you. But as far as I can tell, the fruit's not for the tree. I don't ever see a tree eating its own fruit or delighting in its own fruit or being nourished by its own fruit. Now, if you know more about trees and I'm wrong, please tell me afterwards. But as far as I can see, there's no trees bearing fruit in my yard that are eating each other's fruit. So what's the fruit for? It's for others. It's nourishment. It's equipping. So, the, this question, is my life so rooted in Christ that people are blessed and nourished by the fruit that is produced in my life? I want you to ask yourself this question. I mean, is, is my life right now so rooted in Christ that I am like a tree planted by a stream of water, that I am bearing fruit in season, that there is fruit being produced in my life that is not what I'm doing because it's not religion, it's a relationship, and I'm abiding, and he is, he is producing a fruit in me that is benefiting others in the kingdom, that others are coming to a deeper knowledge of Jesus Christ because I am delighting in the law of the Lord, and I just, he's doing something in me. Is this your life? Do you want a blessed life in 2022? Don't, don't walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers, but delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night. You will be like a tree planted by streams of water and you will produce fruit in season. And it will be what Christ is doing in you and that fruit that is produced in your life will be a blessing to those who are around you. And this is why we need to be in community. This is why the church community is so important because as we individually are being planted and rooted and grounded in love, the fruit that our life is producing is strengthening the church. It's strengthening the church. And so you heard the announcement. There's community groups that are coming in February and March. It's just eight weeks. It's eight weeks to be in your community with people who love Jesus, but also to invite people who may not know Jesus. Maybe it's people who have forgotten the importance of church. Maybe people who have wandered down the wrong path and you want to say, hey, you know what? We're going to this house. We're going to have some dinner and we're going to talk about Jesus. We're just going to rediscover church and rediscover community. We're going to rediscover what it means to bear much fruit and help one another. In the book, Rediscover Church, he says, what is a church? It's a group of people who know they've been loved by Christ and have begun to love one another like that. Wow. To know that you've been loved by Christ and then to begin to love one another like that because he is producing in you fruit. So what is fruit? It's a fruitful harvest. I'm gonna go pretty quick here. Matthew 13, 23. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields 
In one case, a hundredfold, and another 60, and another 30. Being in God's word is fruitful because it multiplies into the lives of others. It's a fruitful progression, number two, Romans 6, 22. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. It's a progression. As you abide in God's word, as you produce fruit in season, it is leading you towards sanctification because you've already been set free from sin. What a beautiful picture. It's fruitful character. Many of you are familiar with this, the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. These are things that God produces in you because they're reactions, not actions. These are... Christ's character being produced in the life of a believer who is delighting in the law of the Lord and meditating on it day and night. So what is fruit? It's fruitful good works, Colossians 1.10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. We have been prepared for good works, good works for his kingdom, and so finally, what is fruit? It's worship. Wisdom and worship, fruitful worship, Hebrews 13, 15. This might sound familiar. Through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. That our lips would acknowledge Jesus Christ because we have been so filled with his presence by abiding in his word. Oh, he is like a tree. He's planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. They're like chaff that the wind drives away. I don't know about you, but somebody in here doesn't know what chaff is, so I'm gonna explain it to you, all right? Because if there's one thing I know, I know a lot about plants. I don't. <laughs> so chaff is what I've figured out to be when you're winnowing and you're getting the seed and you're getting the grain separated from the plant, it's the stuff that's just not useful and it just gets carried away by the wind, okay? I know that's the technical term for all of these parts of the plant, um, but that's what it is. It's chaff. It's the worthless part of the plant. It just blows away. The wicked are like chaff. The wind blows them away. You know, what's interesting about this is that John the Baptist actually used the same terminology when he was talking to the religious people. And he says this in Matthew 3, 7 through 12. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath, of God, the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children from Abraham. Even now the ax is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. And he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. 
but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. There are a tale of two paths. Those who are blessed, those who delight in the law of the Lord, those who are rooted and grounded in Christ, and then those who are wicked, those who have not accepted Christ, those who though may look like they have it all together are not bearing fruit in repentance. And what we realize from this is that Jesus knows the difference between the religious chaff and the righteous Christian. Jesus knows the difference. He knows our hearts. He knows who's faking and he knows who's fruitful. Beware, Matthew 7, 15 through 20, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Here's my question. Is God producing a fruit in your life? But if that is, is your life so rooted and grounded in Christ in love that other people are being blessed and nourished by the spiritual fruit that your life is producing? Three, that's my last point. A life of wisdom and worship lives with a known eternity. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked will perish. There's two paths, the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. One leads to everlasting life, the other one leads to perishing. The word knows here is not that he just knows intellectually, it's actually the word that is chosen. His path is chosen. Jesus knows. He knows you if you are his. Romans 8, 29 through 30. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. As Jesus would say in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I know them. I know them. Let me finish reading real quick where Matthew was in chapter 7. We just read in verse 19, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, thus you will recognize them by the fruits. And then he keeps going, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. The sheep, he knows them. One day he will separate the sheep from the goats. It's really a tale of two paths. It's the blessed life, the ones who do not 
follow the counsel, walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of scoffers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, and on it they meditate day and night. They are like a tree planted by streams of water. They produce fruit in season, but the wicked are not so. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This psalm contrasts a life of wisdom and worship with a life of wickedness and wrongdoing. One path leads to blessing, and one laugh leads to perishing. So my final question for you is this. Does Jesus know you? Does he know you? If you were to stand before the Lord today, would you have a place in the congregation of the righteous because you're rooted in Jesus Christ? Or would you be separated from him for all eternity? I think today's the day that you would need to make a decision to choose the right path, to choose the blessed life. Today would be the day where you would say, I know that there's sin in my life and it shouldn't be there and I want to bear fruit and repentance and so I repent. I have lingered long enough in the sin that I'm participating in and it is not who God has called me to be, but I'm a new creation. And I want to hear his voice and I want to follow him. My prayer for us in 2022 is that we would be a people so rooted and grounded in love, so rooted in Christ, that we would bear much fruit some a hundredfold, some 60, and some 30. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how you lead us and guide us by it, how you speak to us, how it is your word. Help us to delight in it. Help us to meditate on it. Help us to long for it. Help us to look for it. Help us to apply it to life so we can live in wisdom and worship. Father, if there's someone here today who doesn't know you, I pray, Father, by the power and the presence of your spirit, you would draw them to salvation. Father, if there's someone here who does know you, yet their life has gone off, the wrong, off towards the wrong path, Lord, that you would bring them back today in repentance and a changed life. Father, use this church for your glory in 2022. In Christ's name, amen. Will you stand? Will you respond?